Welcome to Bros in Blue, the New York City FC podcast with at least two listeners. I'm Joe in Brooklyn, New York. That is Charlie in Somerville, Massachusetts. Hello, I'm recording in the basement tonight, which is a little change of venue. Just call it your home recording studio. It is actually kind of like a home recording studio. It's about that size. Um, I hope the acoustics are okay. So it's January 11th, 2020. Welcome to the new decade and the second decade of NYCFC's existence. And it's been some time since we did a podcast, Charlie. So what are we talking about here? Um, I think we're trying to remember what happened last season. That was at least part of what I tried to do in preparation for this episode. I think we also have some current uh, events to talk about with NYCFC um, and potentially even talking about upcoming matches, believe it or not. Uh, it's been that long since the end of the season that we're already starting to see some, uh, some uh, things on the calendar. Yeah, and then I think we might talk about the, the Japanese reality television show Terrace House. Yeah, we just discovered uh, that each other watches it. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll find a way to. Tie what do they that say at the in. beginning of the show? Uh, this is th- there. There is no script. We provide a house and beautiful automobiles. Yep. So this this podcast, there is no script. We provide two microphones and poor recording equipment. Yeah, yeah. That that's pretty much it. I hope this is uh, that we're not as strange as some of the characters on that show, Joe. But. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the main point of the show tonight, Charlie, I once, I once saw a joke on Twitter. Uh, what do you call two white guys? I don't know. A podcast. (laughs) Joe, can I tell you another color based joke before we really get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's red and smells like blue paint? (laughs) Uh, uh, a, a, a newspaper with something blue printed on it? Red paint. Okay, that's bad. That's not you even have... a good joke. Oh, my. I, I think it's hilarious. Uh, it, there is some professional comedian uh came up with that, but I think you kind of, you ruined it by guessing. I, I feel like it's bad etiquette to actually guess when someone's telling you a joke for uh, a larger audience, but uh, we'll work on our... Uh, comedy routine oh no, you you always you always guess you, mm, you guess mm, something mm. if you can, if you can do it in two seconds you can't it's bad etiquette if you're like uh uh no wait like let me really get it but if okay. you throw something out there that's that's fine okay okay i'll tell you there is no joking and nothing funny about the colors that are coming out of my one and a half year olds uh, <laughs> rear area you're about to be one one and a half month old. You're you're about to you're about to be right there. Actually, Charlie. yeah, Joe, in terms of personal updates, since the last time we recorded, the size of your family increased by thirty three percent. And I'm on the verge of the same change, uh, in a couple weeks here. So um It's great, man. Just just more fans. More NYCFC fans, more soccer fans. Maybe your kids will be Revs fans. But that's okay. Just more soccer fans is good. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking that maybe for tonight's episode, the two listeners are uh, your your two children. 
I've got one of them on the floor here. We're gonna keep fingers crossed that nothing that that she doesn't wake up. All right. So, um, and you know, the floor sounds like child abuse, but that's actually the only safe place to put a baby. So. Oh no! Just, I yeah yes that's that's right. For those of our <laughs> listeners who are not parents, you may not yes. understand that. <laughs> uh, all right, all right well, Charlie. Joe, I, yeah, right. I think, so I think what, the, main, the, the main the main thrust here, I think, at, at first, is reviewing last last year's season, twenty nineteen. Um, yeah, so let's talk about. I think there's two things that I'd like to cover. One of them is to just talk about the the loss in the playoffs to Toronto FC. Uh, and I, I was at that match. Just talk about that for a second, how the season all ended. And then the other one is I texted you like five or six categories of, of kind of season end awards. Yep. Do you want to go through those? Did you, yes. Do you have ideas for those? Yes. Yes and yes. Okay, great. Okay, great. So let's let's start with the, the end of the 2018-19 season for NYCFC. Um, Dome Tarant leads the team to an unexpected first place berth in the East, meaning that the team earned a, a first round bye and then the opportunity to play at home. Now, home, because MLS playoffs coincides with baseball playoffs, in this instance meant City Field. So the playoff game was the only game of all last season that was played at City Field. Now, from a convenience standpoint, I don't really mind that. Uh, I think City Field is is actually well, a, maybe a little bit better than Yankee Stadium. Yes. Um, as far as like match day experience, but but Charlie, it's just like bad juju. It's bad juju to play your your playoff game in a different home stadium than you played all season long. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple things to discuss here. First of all, Joe, for for those people that don't live in New York, I guess our two listeners this week both live in New York, but uh, City Field sounds like the name of NYCFC's future stadium. Is that not what this was? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. The, this, the team didn't erect <laughs> a stadium in between the regular season <laughs> and the playoffs. Um, that's, that's the Mets the Mets stadium. So it's in Queens. It's another baseball stadium and it's in Queens. You know, you got the Yankees and the Mets and, and this is the, the second team. Yeah. So I've actually, I have been to that stadium. Uh, my wife and I went to uh, a Mets game on a rainy weeknight and we were shocked at how nice the stadium was and how empty it was and how many planes were overhead. Were there, was there a lot of, of, plane traffic when you were there did you notice that uh, i didn't notice but i think it's right over the flight it's not far from LaGuardia. It exactly right over the exactly right, right under the the flight path anyway anyway right so so, so yeah what's the point of yeah, so, what's the point of getting first place and a buy in the first round and home field advantage all the way until at least the the finals if you can't play at your home stadium i i totally agree i mean I think this Obviously. is a this is a known problem. This is the existential crisis for NYCFC. It always has been, and I think it will be until we get our own stadium. Um, but this is just one of the ways that it manifested most directly in uh, kind of the performance of the team. I would say. You know, Charlie, I, I I'm ch- I'm checking right now. The team had played one other game in at City Field and that was the last regular season match of the 2018 season. 
that was against the uh the or was that the that was the 2017 season i think yeah i remember it happening it a long against, time ago but it was against the crew did we what, what? Now, now i'm obsessed because i i am pretty sure that nycfc lost that game uh so you think we're we're owing two at city field oh no drew that was a draw that was a 2-2 draw so so far we've drawn one game in 2017 and lost this game in the playoffs at city field and I think if, if the team had won, then we probably wouldn't be talking about this. But, of course, now that the team lost, we're going to say it's bad juju. I'm not even sure if the field had the same dimensions as the wonky field at, at Yankee Stadium, which was one of the aspects of the home field advantage. Well, you say it's bad juju. I mean, more specifically, I think people often talk about home field advantage. There are a lot of aspects of home field advantage, right? The crowd, The crowd is a big deal. Um, but I think a lot of it is also knowing where you are in the field. You just feel comfortable, right? You know the locker room. You know the routine of arriving. Um, and like when you're on the field, you know, based on the architecture of the stadium, exactly where you are in the field. It's like a cool localization uh, problem, right? Like you're looking at the corner out of the corner of your eye at the goal. But if you really want to know where you are more precisely, you kind of use clues from the stands, basically. Um so I don't know. There are probably right, a lot. I remember of... during a Premier League broadcast once, uh, one of the two guys who does games with Arlo White, uh, Graham Lasso, or is the other guy's name Graham Sunis? But one of those guys, he he was right back for Liverpool at one point, and he said that he always knew his position on the field by recognizing some season ticket holders who sat in the front <laughs> row. There you go. So it's stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, all right, a, a neutral venue of sorts. Um, NYCFC hosts Toronto. But Charlie, and... this was it wasn't just it wasn't just the the home field advantage. NYCFC was first in the East. Toronto was a team that started the season uh way outside the playoff picture and you know, they the team has been good recently, so there was always room for them to improve, but they finished fifth and fifth in the East. I mean, this this was a game that NYCFC was heavily favored in. Yes. Yep. And yet. Uh. And yet. Yeah. Go. Go ahead. Well, it just it was a weird game, right? I mean, the the first half, Toronto. I, I feel like there was consensus online. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but Toronto dominated. Um, no, Toronto definitely dominated. I mean, they were the better team in the first half, but I wouldn't say it was, I don't know. I wouldn't they say they created possession. as many chances. They didn't create, yeah, yes. they didn't create yeah. a ton of chances, but they definitely yeah. dominated possession. Uh, and we were lucky to get into the half 0-0. Zero, zero. And then second half, um, the, sec- the second half, uh, NYCFC came out stronger. And within 15, 20 minutes, Maxime Cheneau decided to try to head a bouncing ball back to Sean Johnson and just assisted Toronto's first goal. I mean, it, this was, was, it was disaster. This was two minutes in, Joe. Two minutes into the second two half. Two minutes in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my catastrophic. Warped. Catastrophic so error. That, I mean, that that was was bad. Like, that would have been the memory of the match. Right. Um, but then, in response to that, uh, Toronto put on Ebert, 
and um, Ismail Tajiri Shradi. And for the next, like, 20, 30 minutes, NYCFC just blew blew Toronto out. Like, if we could have scored three goals in that time period. It was it was awesome. It was a huge rally. I mean, this eventually is, did. Yeah, but this is this is what NYCFC has always been good at, which is attacking. We've never been able to control games, never. And so I think just putting all of our cards on the table by putting our four best attackers on the field at once. Um, I guess, yeah, with Aber, right? We had Aber, Tajuri, Madrica, um Hold on, I'm trying to, to make sure I get the substitutions correct here. Um, Maxi. I mean that that was the that was the front four when, right, we right. were dominating when we dominated the the game in, yeah. in, in the second half. So you know we, the home team had all the momentum, um, and then. What yeah, from, it, no, the from there, minute, from there, Joe, from there, you don't lose. You don't lose. You, you're the favorite, no. the better team. You have at least it's right. a neutral the, venue. The match of was tied, tied up one one by Tajuri Shradi during that spell. Right, right. Sixty ninth minute, Tajuri scores to equalize. Now there are two options here, right? We already have all of our five. What is it? Five best attacking players. I don't know. We have all of our attackers on the field. Do you go for it or do you? kind of play out for a draw and and go for penalties. And I think I would have liked to see us go for it, Joe, because we really had them on the ropes after we scored that first goal. But I think I'm okay. Well, think... I'm okay with the decision yeah. to, to maybe play for the draw because it seems like that's what everyone was okay with. I mean, the last 10 minutes of this game were a disgrace. Neither team was actually interested in attacking at all. Both of us were just sitting back. It was, it was as if we had passed the managers had, had passed notes to each other saying, all right, let's just go to penalties. I don't know if I felt that way in the stadium. I, I felt like Toronto just found everybody was tired. Um, but Toronto just found their footing after the goal. Uh, I hmm. was able to hmm. reset and the game was just a little bit more even. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if, I mean, this, the the this, this st- the fans were certainly um, just as energetic after the goal as they had been immediately before it during the spell of pressure. Um, well, I think this I mean, is NYCFC this is a difference. definitely played worse the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes of the game versus versus right. prior to scoring right. the goal. That's for sure. But I think this is a difference between watching at home versus being in the stadium. I think it was really evident watching at home that there was a tactical change. Maybe it's just because they were tired. But there was no, there was no urgency the way that there was before. So anyway, Charlie, the yeah, way all this, of this one yeah, all ended, this, all this just sets up the horrible situation where both teams were basically yeah. going for a draw, and uh, well, you describe it. <laughs> well, left back has been a weakness for this team all season. Majorita uh, has been the best choice, but has always has always been prone to a defensive error. He's definitely better attacking than he is defending. And in, in what, what was it, Charlie? It was like the 87th minute or something. Yeah. It, it was, it was in the eighties. Yeah. Um, Toronto's right winger gets around, gets around Matarita. And he's, so he's got Matarita on his ass 
as he's like dribbling into the box or he's Macharita's, you know, a step behind. And it just, it, it killed me to watch it because, because it, there was time to foul him outside the box. Right. If you right. wanted to foul him, yep. the foul could have been committed outside the box. Instead, Mata waits until the ball and the player are in the box and then goes for a slide tackle that's late and commits an obvious penalty. Like there's no, you know, there's not even any gray area to really argue it. It was a penalty. It's just one of the, it, it was like, it, it was, you know, you could see the two trains heading, heading towards each other at full speed. And yet there's nothing that you could do to watch it. You could just see it coming a mile away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's three things I want to say about this. The first thing is that really both teams had almost slowed to, to just playing out the draw. And so I forget who it was that actually cuts on Maturita and gets around behind him, but it was very sudden, like in the run of play, it was very, uh, surprising that there was a player that suddenly no, decided well, to Well, attack. Toronto hadn't even had like a shot right. for, for like 30 minutes. It yes. was ridiculous. So Machirita was clearly a little bit surprised as well. He's a little bit turned off, you know, thought they were just going to pass it back. And instead, this guy gets behind him. Okay, fine. But the next really, really difficult thing to accept. Yeah, like you mentioned, he could have fouled him outside the box. But the second really disappointing thing here is that there were not other attackers in the box. It's not like this was a counterattack that suddenly needed to be broken up. This was one attacker with the ball who basically by himself decided to, to run towards goal. So he's coming in on the yeah, end there line was nobody, and there was no there one was, to cross to. There was nobody to. to cross to. No one. Yeah. So that's, that's frustrating. But then the third thing is just... I can't describe how late this tackle was, Joe. I mean, it just wasn't even close to winning the ball. It wasn't even close. So this is the kind of foul that you make on the half at half field when you're trying to, you know, stop a breakaway. And you, you like, take a yellow card, fine, but you make sure you catch the guy. I mean, it didn't look like he was even trying to play the ball. It was so late. So just one of the worst moments uh, I can think of in NYCFC history. I mean, can you think of a worse individual error? The Chano one comes to mind from earlier in the half, but this was truly just self-sabotage on the worst, yeah. on the worst I scale. Mean, uh, the only thing I can think of is, is Collins elbowing, uh, right, right. Whoever right, it was right, on, right. on the crew and getting a red card in like the beginning of the second half mm -hmm. in, in that, in that first leg away. But even that now would have to be the number three worst error, worst individual error. I mean, there's time. there's clearly behind, a trend behind here. the two errors leading to the goals in right. this game. Right. There, there's a, a trend here, which is it's it's NYCFC defenders not ready for the pressure of playoffs, um, or, or somehow mentally not ready. Right. I mean, all three of this, the mistakes that we talked about are in, very individual. Uh, kind of mentality errors, I would argue. And Monterito was was visibly distraught. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, let's. So Pozuelo steps up and he and he scores. But at that point, um, there was still six or seven minutes to play. And like when you're at home and you're the better team, six or seven minutes is actually a long time. Like mm. the game. It, it, it was enough time to do something. 
but a, cu- a couple things happened. Uh, first of all, yeah, like you said, Matarito was like out of the game. I mean, he wasn't even he was yeah. not present in in yeah. the five boroughs after yeah. making that mistake. Yeah, like I was watch just watching him on the field. I mean, he had his hands on his head. Mm-hmm. He was he was either crying or almost crying on the field for the last seven minutes of play. He was just um, waiting for the whistle to let him know he could start crying. That was that was basically what he was waiting yes. for. Yes, Co- just complete. Like, and, and I, I really, I'm not like saying I, that to be to be mean. I, I, yeah, I, I really do feel bad for the guy. I mean, people make mistakes. This was a mistake. You know, he feels bad because he let himself and his entire team down. Um, you know, thing. You know, these things happen. It's just, yeah. He's still he's still a fine person, I'm sure. But after a disappointing season, uh, and really a disappointing couple seasons where he's really failed to live up to expectations, you know, his promise was so high, um, you know, two seasons ago, and to have this yeah, be I mean, the he, way he that has, it he ended, hasn't developed, he hasn't developed significantly from the player he was two seasons ago. I I also think Charlie that he. Uh, he he's always been about this good and it used to be that the rest of the team was was so poor that he really stood out yeah and now the rest of the team in every other position has improved significantly since his first season with the club which i think was the second in the club's history yeah um and 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 so relatively he doesn't look as amazing but well, we, we, so he was completely out of the game. And then the other thing that killed me about the last like five, six minutes is the rest of the team lost their heads too, because this team has always been a team that scored by passing the ball and keeping the ball on the ground. Right. Uh, lots of player movement, intricate passes, trying to release a player on the wing to get a ball on the ground, on the ground across into the box. And, we could have played that game for five minutes and seen seen what happened. We'd created a lot of pressure through that that strategy earlier in the half, but instead the team went to long ball, just hoof it up to the right, box right. with like with like four minutes to play. Like the entirety of injury time was just right. complete desperation. Boot the ball, which is which is ne- has never been a way that this team scored goals. So like. I, from from the moment of Macharita's losing his head, it was it was a complete mental breakdown from everybody else on the team. Yeah, like I don't know what Tarot was saying, but if I was the manager, I would have been screaming like, "Just play! Like, just keep the ball on the ground and play." Well, I think until, uh, I think that's easier said than done. Um, I mean, part of this gets into the narrative a little bit, right? I mean, when you're out there, you're a professional soccer player. Your job is to play the best soccer you can in a way that your manager told you, but you're still susceptible to this, you know, the narrative basically. And when someone makes such a catastrophic error in a game that you thought was at least just going to penalties, I, I just think you're, you're mentally done. Um, and it maybe, maybe part of this is kind of, some of this is the history of the, of the team. You know, it makes me think of Liverpool, right? Like Liverpool recently and even in the last few decades has a history of some really incredible comeback victories. I mean, NYCFC is not really known for that. We're known for collapsing in the playoffs. And I think it would be hard as a player to get that idea out of your head. 
um, and just be calmly passing it on the no, ground. No, definitely. You could see, you could see like, like the horror because right, everybody right. knew that they were playing at home. They were the first seed. Mm-hmm. That this team is is this was this was the best NYCFC team ever. I think. Yes. I mean, they're, yes. They're, you know the the year the year that we lost to Toronto in a close in in. Uh, or we were we were blown out by Toronto in the end, but the first leg was close. Um, uh, that year was probably the second best team, but this was the best team. Um, that I I also that, think Joe that we've had. I also think that this was the worst uh, division um, that we that NYCFC has played in. I mean, yes, we were a very good team, but there were no real challengers for second place in the end. Um, Atlanta were having a rebuilding year. Red Bulls are a little bit off. Toronto was having a disastrous year. I mean, no one was really good uh, in the East. And I think maybe yeah, there, that contributed. there was an opportunity. Totally. I think the expectation was that NYCFC was going to make it to the final um, and ideally play LAFC, who, who many are arguing were the best MLS team ever. Um, you know, there is probably some... Uh, some elegance uh, to the fact that both East and West conferences uh, in the playoffs kind of did not go as planned um, in that NYCFC lost and LAFC lost to the Sounders as well. I mean, this All right, was, Charlie, let's, let's, let, yeah, let me go, just, go let with me just your say final that, thought, but then let's, yeah. let's move on. Cause we've been, we've been 25 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Sorry. Uh, I just wanted to say that the MLS playoffs this year were kind of a dud. Uh, especially the final. It just wasn't... It, it was Seattle against Toronto for the third time in four years, I think. And Seattle won it. It just wasn't... There was no glamour to it. These were not the two best teams uh, throughout the season. I think it was really... It was obviously disappointing that NYCFC didn't make it as a fan, but I think it was really disappointing that LAFC didn't make it uh, to the final either. Okay, Joe. So that was that was the season. Or that was the, the end of the season, I should say. Should we talk about uh, some of our best and worst and uh, other superlative categories of the season? Yes. All right. So, so what what, what do we got? We got um, we're going to talk about most improved player, best new signing, uh, most disappointing player, worst game of the season, best game of the season, and most valuable player. And, and the number one most consequential the, thing that happened this yes. season. For this team in five years. Yeah. So like when we in, in 2025, when we're looking back at yeah. like the direction that the, that the club went. Okay. So, uh, so I, I feel like we should do that one last. Cause that's Agreed. kind of the big Agreed. picture. Okay. So why, where should we start? You, you pick one and, and go ahead with your pick for it. Well, can we just get worst game out of the way? I mean, it's obvious. I didn't even pick oh, a, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even pick a second one because it was so obvious. It was that, that yeah, this was the worst loss. Yeah, the game okay. we just talked about was absolutely yeah. the worst. It, w- it was probably the worst single game. Oh, I mean, it's up there for worst single game in NYCFC history. I, I think I think the home leg uh, two, three years ago when Toronto came yeah. to visit and we had a yeah. shot to come back and then Javinko scored in like the first two minutes and ended right. effectively ended this. I still think that was probably worse, but... I think this, you're right. Um, I thought you were going to say the opposite, but I think I agree with you. I think this was the second worst game in NYCFC history. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's easy. All right. So why don't we go, why don't this whole 
show has been a downer to now. So why don't we talk right. about something positive, which would be the best uh, the best game of last season. Okay, can go I go ahead. first, Joe? Because I feel like you have a better answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I My memory of this season is a little bit... It's tough when you go out on a playoff loss like that because it's hard to remember what happened before it when the regular season is so insignificant relative to MLS Cup. But my pick is a, a 2-0 two no, two no win over LA Galaxy away. Kind of a random pick, but um, away games are notoriously hard in MLS, as we've talked about a lot. So whenever you win away, um, especially at a, a team that's historically good, has Zlatan Ibrahimovic playing in it, you know, you have all that travel and everything, that's significant. But I also think the goals in this one um, were kind of indicative of our team this season. So the first one, um, Anton Tinnerholm gets forward, um, gets a nice pass in, I think it was from from Maxi, and uh, takes a shot from outside the box. It's a pretty good shot, and it's saved, but who's there? Eber, to tap in the rebound. And that's kind of a a theme of this season, I would say, is Maxi Morales playing incisive passes going forward and kind of being our uh, our creative center. Um, Anton Tinnerholm being the most reliable player who just never stops running for the entire season, um, who's not necessarily the most, uh, doesn't necessarily have the most attacking flair, um, but really puts in a shift getting forward and certainly get, certainly defending. Um, and then Ebert just being being there and scoring opportunistic goals. Um, so that puts us up. And then Anton Tinnerholm again is played in behind their back line and ends up winning a penalty with a handball and Maxi Morales scores from the penalty spot and we end up holding on 2-0. Um, this is the game that included, I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but uh, Zlatan has a chance at the end of the game and Sean Johnson kind of runs into him trying to scramble back to his goal and Zlatan kind of like like elbows him in the neck and there's kind of this confrontation. I don't know if you remember this. Um, I think yeah. they, they both got yellow cards for it, but um, I don't know. I Kind of a random pick. It's not necessarily the most important game. It's just like a random away leg or away game in the, in the Western Conference. Um, but I thought it had some nice elements that represented our season as a whole. Good pick, man. Um, yeah, I mean, LA was a, a pretty good team this year. And yeah, like you said, away wins, especially when you travel across the country, away wins are big. My pick for best game is um, is the August the, the win two one over Red Bulls at home at Yankee Stadium on August twenty fourth. It was a revenge game for the tie, um, or rather, we lost that game at Red Bull Arena where there was that, that outrageous call against yeah, us yeah. Um, on the throw in. So it was a revenge game for that, and it was also come from behind with goals from from Maxi and a bear in the second half to come back. Um, to come back from one zero down that always, always great to beat the Red Bulls. And um, it, it was, it was awesome atmosphere in the state in the Yankee stadium that day. Uh, a nice summer day and um, you know, come from behind wins. Got to appreciate them. I kind of knew you were going to pick right, that. Charlie. I kind of knew you were going to pick that game. So yes, good pick. Um, Okay, let's go. Uh, why don't Why don't we do Why don't we do now? Um, most improved player and most disappointing player. Um, okay. Okay. I, I guess, uh, Charlie, why don't Why don't you start with your pick for most improved player? Should we not start with the di- most disappointing player so that we can, you know, 
something bad and, and then something good. Note. Yeah. Okay, sure. Go ahead. You start start with most disappointing player. This one, this there's like no competition for this one either, in my view. Oh, okay. So interesting. So this this question actually made me think of duct tape. Um because I have three M's. My my answer is three M's. I couldn't really uh, you say there's one player. I, I have Medina, Macharita, and Matriza uh on my nominations, I suppose. Um and I'm not really sure. Macharita, I was kind of on his back all season. Medina, the only reason we don't think he was more disappointing is because he didn't play that much even. I think in terms of our expectations, the fact that he's a DP, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty catastrophic. Um, that how, one of, how can Matriza... So I, I, only, I have one problem here. How could Matriza be on there? I mean, he, he, he was the second on the team in goals. No, that's fair. I think four game-winning goals. So I, I think uh, my expectations when we signed him in the first place uh, were were uh, way, t- way too large. Um, I thought that he was okay, our David Villa replacement. Enough. So in terms of disappointing, no, he's fine. He's a, he's a decent player, but I think I was expecting him to be Sebastian Trevinko. <laughs> uh, right. and, and that was obviously a mistake. So yeah, I think I think he was not as disappointing as Medina and Macharita. I suspect that you think Medina is far and away the most disappointing player, though. Is is that your pick? Oh man. So yeah, I mean my pick by a mile. So so Medina is the. Hold on, this is gonna blow your mind. I, I want to get it right. Um. Medina is the third most most paid, highly paid player on this team. Yeah. After. After only Maxi and Alex Ring, he made 870k last year. I mean, that's you know, Matriza made 500. That's twice as much as Matarita. Uh, James Sands made 105,000. So Medina made eight times James Sands. That's who ridiculous. Made it's many more contributions. Uh, Medina made like two and a half times what uh, Tati made, and for the most part, he just warmed the bench because. He was not good enough to get into this team, so you know he 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 almost contributed nothing because the times that he did come in, um, I, I don't I don't know if he had one goal this season. He was awful. Um, he was just awful. I mean, I th- I think he's got the price tag hanging over his head. Um, I don't know what you do with him at this point, Joe. Like, you got to I mean, any way to terminate the contract? Right. Right. He okay. He had. He had 16 shots, eight shots on goal, three goals and two assists on the season in 726 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just not enough from from a player who is making that kind of money. And I think this is the risk that you take. It, it, obviously, a huge mistake by the front office signing him. Like this is kind of the risk you take with young players. This is why you don't make a young player who is unproven uh, and not like a talent at a European level your your third dp just just makes no sense well but but there's that, that, that one was obvious for me. but like was Almiron was a dp at atlanta united right i mean isn't there an argument that we just are maybe our scouting wasn't good or we just got unlucky we signed the wrong player or is it that uh we signed someone who wasn't developed and at nycfc's training facilities and development we don't actually have the means to make them into that next level player i mean well, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, 
it's a mistake. I, I think you're right that he's he's got to be the most disappointing player. Um, it's amazing that this team was as good as it was with only two DPS, basically, right? Right. Okay, let's talk. Uh, let's talk most improved player. Do, do you want to go first? Or should I go first? Uh, I think we have the same player. It's got to be Castellanos, uh, Tati. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So Tati. He was signed late into last season, kind of an unknown quantity. I think it was 19 or something when he was signed, so still pretty young. And, you know, he, he didn't look like he was going to be a player of much consequence for this team based on last season. Then, uh, you know, this year, he, at the beginning of the season, before the club had signed a bear, he ended up getting a lot of looks at forward and, um, and really making, like, super meaningful contributions to the team. 11 goals seven assists, four game-winning goals that's tied for the lead on the team with a few other players, but and, and some beautiful goals from outside the box too. Um, you know, he he really he really improved. He he's the type of player who it, you like you hate him if he's on the other team, but when he's oh, on yeah. your team, you kind of love him cuz yeah. he's just a pest. He he's not afraid to uh I won't call it diving cuz I don't really think he dives that much, but he definitely sells fouls. Right. Um, right. And you know, he'll 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 just buzz around and annoy defenders but he was also very effective both with some long-range shots and um poaching goals and headers yeah he had some great headers as well yeah he's like he's our diego costa he's he's a diego costa character now (laughs) yeah you i you could he you could say that all right well that okay so congratulations to tati for getting the Bros and Blue Most Improved Player Award. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be ecstatic when he receives that. Um, yeah, we'll, wait. we'll we'll see him at the award ceremony. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have two also positive uh, or uplifting categories: Most Valuable Player and Best. Actually, let's go with Best New Signing and then Most Valuable Player. So, Joe, who do you think is the best new signing? I also think there's a very obvious answer to this one. Why don't you go yeah, first? Yeah, it's it's got to be a bear. Yes, okay. a bear. Yeah. Even though he came in halfway through the season, he's now going to be with this team uh, coming into the new season. He scored 15 goals, so that's 0.86 goals per 90 minutes. <clears throat> I think that was third in MLS, and just on its face, that's um, that's a pretty unbelievable scoring record. It basically means he's. He's getting a goal in every match you you have you play him in, but um, he, he's got this thing. I don't know what he's good at, right? Like I don't actually know what he does. Um, he just scores goals, and I he's I think good at finishing he 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 really he does. But a lot of his goals I, are he, just kind of garbage. You know, he's a he's a poacher. He's he cleans up. Um, I don't know. He's yes. just quick thinking. He's he's uh, got quick enough feet. He's not the fastest, but he just. I don't know. I don't know what it is, Joe, but he's got whatever that it factor is that, that you need to be a goal scorer at, at this level or maybe even at the next level. I mean, he just, something about him feels um, like he's he's really good for the team. Yeah, I, I like him. I mean, he's 28, so, you know, this is, he, he's he's not going to get wildly better than this, but um, but very, very solid signing. Um do you remember what league we signed him from? He's Brazilian, right? Yeah, he's Brazilian, but he was he was not playing in in Brazil. He was playing in Croatia. Okay, okay. And Matriza was playing. I don't remember where. Maybe they were both playing in Croatia. Um, but I certainly expected Matriza to to be 
um, kind of the more serious of the signings. And it, it, it kind of ended up being the opposite um, in, in, in some senses, just in terms of reliability and replacing David Villa's uh, goal threat. Okay, most viable player. Um, why don't I go first on this one? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I guess I'm not. I, I think. I think it, it probably has to be Maxi. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you have a different pick. I, I just Maxi is quite clearly our best player. I think if you take him out of the team, the team plays more differently than if you took any other player out of the team. Um, and I think in terms of like actual transfer market value, he's got to be our most valuable player in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have, I, I have a secondary nomination. I'll, I'll say after you, you comment. I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, 20 assists. He plays in the number 10 role, seven goals, 2,400 minutes played. He was obviously in the best 11, um, a leader on the team and without without him to like calm play down and be able to play a pass then you know the 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 team would have been a lot more disorganized so i think maxi was maxi was definitely our pick the year prior to that um there's a question of how good he'll be next season is he's getting up there in age but for sure i think it's maxi yeah okay i think my what was your other pick my other pick was Tinner Home. Um, just in terms yeah. of his reliability, I, I just I can't really point to any other player on the team that I would trust in any situation to always Tinner play. Tinner Home was in a lot of best 11s okay. in MLS this season. Okay. So, yeah. The, the, the only thing is, though, Charlie, it's like, it's like really hard to pick a fullback for your most valuable player, I think. Yeah, he's no Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's like the the Dirk Coit of uh, NYCFC. You know, he's the working class hero. He's not he's not the most handsome dude. He's just kind of normal looking. He just tries really hard. He really cares about the team, and he shows up every single week. And for whatever reason, that's that's noteworthy for NYCFC. I think, especially in our defensive, uh, you know, five or, or six players that are playing the back line. I think having someone who's so reliable. He probably makes everyone around him more look more reliable than they actually are. Um, so yes, I, I just think Tinner Home deserves a, a mention there. For sure, um, he he had a great season. He had a great season. All right, Charlie. the 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 most consequential thing to happen this season for this club in five years from now. Do you, what do you got? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not, there's no way we're going to have the same answer on this. Okay. Um, Okay. So I'm interested to see what you say. Well, mine is a, is a downer, um, unfortunately. And it goes back to the thing we already talked about a lot. So I'll be brief, but I think that this season, um, established a pattern of playoff failure, um, that we already had the beginnings of, but I feel like we're going to, we really are going to have to fight to shake this, uh, stereotype of blowing, yeah, like now it's it. like definitely a thing yep like we're the red bulls we're, we have the same red bulls problem where the the red bulls are notorious for having great teams in the regular season and always blowing it in the in mls cup i mean we haven't even made it to mls cup yet but you you take my point um we we now have a 
have a stereotype. So I, I think five years from now, that's still going to be something that we could be trying to shake. Um, and just the catastrophic manner in which this one happened uh, just kind of adds to that narrative even more. I hope you have something different, Joe. <laughs> yeah, but it's also kind of a downer. So, um, yeah, I, I was thought about this. You know, I thought, okay, were there any big signings that are going to be here for a long time? Well, probably not. I mean, the the big signings, uh, Ebert and Mitritza, are both old enough that they're probably not going to be with the club in five years. Mm. Um, and we didn't have a stadium. Uh and, you know, our manager, I mean, Dome quit after the season, but our manager has turned over every couple of years. And I think it was always, Dome was never going to stay in the States for, for a long period of time. Um, I, so I think the most significant thing was that in the off season, Claudio Reyna quit the club as sporting director mm. and moved, moved to Austin to launch Austin FC. Um, and Claudio because the CEO of NYCFC has turned over multiple times, I think three times now, and the manager has now turned, what are we're going to be on our fourth manager. Claudio was really the most senior person at NYCFC who had been here from the beginning and gave the team any kind of continuity. And when I talked to um, the, pro the previous CEO, Whose name I'm gonna I'm blanking on now, but when I talked to him at this kind of fan invite event that that we had, and I tried to ask him some questions about the makeup of the team or transfers, he just said that Claudio handles all that. So, especially with the managers having turned over so much, I think that Reyna is probably responsible for most of the scouting and player recruitment that we've seen, and that has been one of the club's strengths. I feel like, you know, either because of him or being part of the city network of clubs uh we've been able to find some interesting players overseas that other clubs at a higher rate than other clubs in mls um so i think i think that the club is going to miss claudio's leadership a lot uh, yeah and i don't know who's going to step in I, I i'm not sure that any replacement sporting director has been announced but it's definitely going to be a problem if if we don't have somebody new in that position. Yeah. Uh, that was a great answer, Joe. I, I think, I think you're right that uh, Claudio Reyna, he's just, he's a known name. First of all, he brings legitimacy to, at least for us fans, um, br brings a, a sense of legitimacy to the club or brought, I should say, um, I just remember he's like he was in the videos announcing all of our new players and everything too, right? Like, um, oh right, yeah. I mean he 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 yeah. was the guy. He was the guy. He yeah. was like your equivalent of your GM, right? Um, right. You know, man managing the roster, uh, and and like especially because so many of the managers came in um, midway through the off season. There's mm -hmm. no doubt in my mind that that um, that he is the person who was making the personnel decisions, right? Uh, Right. So, Joe, I was just um, a little footnote here. I was just looking at uh, trying to find out who the previous CEOs of NYCFC were. I was unsuccessful, but I did find out that in 2020, um, four regular season home games are going to be played at City Field. That's right. So I, I think, Charlie, this is the response. One of the responses by the club to 
losing in the playoffs in City <laughs> Field is oh now we're gonna make it now we're gonna make it part of the regular season uh, affair. I don't I mean, know. I may, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure this. I'm sure the City Field games have also sold well, so maybe that's part of it. I mean, it it just it speaks to this again the existential crisis of not having our own stadium. Um, so it's not really something new. I guess it's an interesting new take um, that we try out different home fields, but I don't know. I. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's not good. It's not good, man. I yeah. mean, it's just from a fan perspective. Right. It's I, right. I, I do like City Field, but how annoying is it to have to look up where your own home match is every weekend? But, so you but don't I almost go to the wrong stadium. But I almost feel like that's it's almost it almost might be good in the long run because it makes people actually face this issue instead of just comfortably trekking to Yankee Stadium and pretending like it's okay. Um, like this isn't even trying to hide the fact that we don't have a stadium anymore. I don't know. Maybe that'll encourage people to actually do something about it. Anyway, Joe, let's, well, there has been news on that front, Charlie. It looks like, okay. it looks like the, um, yeah, this off season, um, looks like NYCFC has been lobbying to build, lobbying the city to build in a, a lot that is right near Yankee stadium mm. um, and has like some proposals drawn up and is seeking city approval to go forward. So I, it's, it seems pretty, that seems pretty real. It's the most real news to come out about the stadium in a long time. Now that probably means the stadium is done in like four years, but at least there seems to be a plan as of now. I mean, I'm so excited for the day that we can have a podcast when they officially break ground or you know whatever oh, yeah we, whatever we decide you know the threshold is that they've crossed that they're actually serious about building a stadium in, in the five boroughs well and then charlie you, you obviously you're going to come down to for for a match hopefully the first match in the new stadium and that if, would be if awesome. it is in the bronx it works out pretty well because uh we're planning to move out of the city but into um the suburbs that are just north of the bronx so it's like going to be easier to get to than, for example, coming to Queens. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Joe. I think we should. We we've talked a lot. I think we've talked. A, oh, oh dear, it's been a, a long podcast already. Oh yeah. That's, we, maybe that's, I mean, maybe we, we shouldn't talk do about a, something else. That. Well, I was going to yeah. suggest that we start talking about upcoming games and like what's happening in the off season. I don't think there's time. I think we'll have to do a no, separate man, let's, preview let's episode. Just, yeah, let's do it. Let's right, do great. it. Uh, we can do a season preview. Well, there's already some exciting changes. I won't say what they are, but uh, we'll get to them in the next podcast. And uh, yeah, it's it's the off season has gone quickly because we haven't recorded in so long, Joe. But we're really not too far off. Um, just a couple months before MLS kicks off again, and and there's some other matches before that that are of consequence as well. Hey, so. and we're in the Champions League. We're in the Concacaf exactly. Champions League this year. Exactly. So that's another cup for us to lose rapidly yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, cups are not our not our strong suit. Um, all right, Joe. I think in the interest of time, I think we're going to cut it there. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting up in person soon. Um, hopefully in a month or so, uh, or in a couple weeks even. Um, yep. But anyway, that's it. That's it from us. This is Charlie for Joe saying Forza NYCFC.